Welcome to the Mom Tuition Podcast, where we help ambitious moms tap into their intuition, find their purpose, and live their best life. I'm your host, Katie. Join me each week as we dive into career, business, self-development, and personal growth. Get inspired by successful moms and experts who have been in your shoes. This is your weekly dose of motivation and practical tips to unlock your true potential. Let's dive in. Hey, what's up, working moms, and welcome back to the Mom Tuition Podcast. I'm Katie, your host, and I am really excited about today's episode because this is a hot topic that comes up for me in a lot of conversations, conversations with my friends, my family, my clients, and it's a big one. Mom guilt. It is unexpected. You have this idea of what things are going to be like before you have kids. And then that first kid is born and all of a sudden you are flooded with this feeling that you didn't know existed. Am I right? And I personally was not prepared for this at all. I was... I wasn't prepared for the feeling of wanting to be there for it all at the beginning. And then there was this desire to use other parts of my brain and do other things. But I didn't want to miss out on Grayson's life experiences, his milestones, his growth and it became really hard um i so here's how i kind of want this episode to go okay i i want to talk about the definition of mom guilt mom guilt in the context of working and doing it all and and you know these moments where the mom guilt comes up share my own story of leaving Grayson for the first time to go to work and kind of what mom guilt has looked like for me. And then I want to talk about, I want to share eight tips I have for you in coping with mom guilt because we're not going to overcome it. I, I don't know that we are going to ever have it disappear. I think it's always going to be there. And so I I chose the word cope because I think it's all about managing our, our mom guilt over anything and developing coping mechanisms. Uh, okay. I just realized I never wished everyone happy Mother's Day and at the beginning of this episode. And so I'd like to say, I hope you all had a wonderful Mother's Day. And mine was awesome. It was pretty amazing to have my mom and my mother-in-law be able to celebrate. And it's pretty low-key, to be honest. We did uh, a brunch out and then the rest of the day was kind of normal. But one thing that is developing that is really, really cute is Grayson and his nanny last week on Thursday 
made a little uh, drawing and she used his hands. And when I got home from work, he was so excited to give it to me. I mean, my heart was just smiling and I was overcome with joy and just there's nothing like seeing your kid light up and want to show their love for you. And so he ran and he grabbed the art piece and he was so excited to give it to me and mom, mommy, mommy. And it was just, it was so cute. So I, that was honestly, I'm pretty easy. I I like to just be acknowledged and appreciated. Personally, I like the day. I think it's a little controversial. Some people um, don't. I understand that that there's a lot of uh, big feelings around Mother's Day for some people, and I honor that. I think at the same time, I think it's so cool to have a special day for Father's Day, and uh, I I like having days that stand out personally from other days that that make the year have these you know, peaking moments where they stand out over Groundhog's Day, if you will. And so to me to wake up and for people to say Happy Mother's Day and give me a hug and to do the same for for my own mom and and mother-in-law and to just be acknowledged is, is a cool feeling. And to go out to brunch and it was, it was just a lovely day. So with that, I just wanted a tangent on that because Mother's Day was top of mind um, coming off the weekend, but I kind of just jumped right into mom guilt because I'm pumped about this episode. So, okay, let's talk about the definition. So I looked this up because I was curious what the actual definition of mother's mom guilt is, and what Google said was specific feelings of guilt mothers experience that relate to their role as a mother and their ability to meet their child's needs. And to be honest, this didn't really resonate with me uh, because to me, mom guilt isn't just about meeting my child's needs. There's a bit more of FOMO in there for me. There's this feeling of wanting to do it all. Uh, There's this feeling of, especially early on, there is this feeling of there's so much change every day, just about in those first two years, that I didn't want to miss any of those pivotal moments personally like I I just I loved spending time with Grayson I he was he also was I for me he was easy uh easy baby we'll see what baby number two is like but you know he was we brought him everywhere and anywhere the first six to eight months. I mean, we still went out on dates and just brought him because he slept. We, uh, we, we worked out. It's, it's wild. Those first, you know, zero to eight months. Well, he started crawling 
around six months. But still, those those early months, things we were able to do a lot and bring them everywhere. And so it made it kind of easy to kind of continue life as usual. And then around when he started to walk, I would say, which he walked on his first birthday, which was pretty cool. And on his first birthday, you know, the world started to change because it was, he he was really becoming mobile. And I remember mom guilt, mom guilt really kicked in we hired a nanny at six months and we hired her part-time. So she worked three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, from nine to three, because that's all I could handle uh, being away. And I remember the first time leaving and driving to work and just feeling like, am I going to miss something? I want to be there crying and and Jenna his first nanny was so loving, so caring, so sweet. He took to her. He loved her. And it was uh she made it easy. She was really confident and but you know, his first bout of separation anxiety was like real intense, uh, was eight to 10 months, that kind of big separation anxiety uh, milestone, if you will, of development. And to leave him when he was crying was, I mean, it would take me 30 minutes to leave. And it's still some some days if he's going through some type of separation anxiety, if he's having a hard time, I mean, I do not just go to work and leave very easily. I want him to feel secure. I want to focus on me coming back and what he can look forward to and how amazing his day is going to be. And he gets to play with his best friend, Ava, and all of those things. And, And he's really understanding of he, he gets it now. I can communicate. He can communicate back. But he lets me know now. But either way, that th- I digress. The, the beginning part of leaving and going to work is a pain on my heart that I had not expected and had never felt before. I was not the type of mom where I would just want to leave my kid. People would offer. I remember my mother-in-law would offer all the time, bring him up, take a break. Speaking of taking a break, that to me is a very triggering phrase personally, because for me, it's not about taking a break from Grayson. It's that there are other, I need to expand my world beyond him because I'm a human, I'm a versatile person, and I have lots of needs. And so I like to reframe in versus taking a break. It, it's negative. It, to me, it sounds negative. I like thinking like, hey, do you know what would feel really good? Going and taking a shower by myself, 
don't would feel really good is going for a walk and being able to be present with nature and not distracted or just focusing on other things that fill my cup, which I talked about in uh, episode seven about self-care and figuring out what self-care looks like for you. But it really, I remember early on just so many people offering like, I'll watch Grayson and go do something for an hour for you. And I just didn't want to. I didn't need to. I mean, early on, he slept so much. This kid was a solid napper and not the best nighttime sleeper, still a great napper and not the best nighttime sleeper. Um, but he, he was, I got so much time to myself that when he, and this goes, this will be kind of the beginning of my eight tips in a second, but I was talking to a client about this recently and we were talking about how there's this change that happens. So early, early on, babies sleep a lot, kids sleep a lot, especially in that first year. For the most part, I know that there are anomalies of like catnappers and, and things of that nature, but like overall sleep totals are high. And so in that first year, when they're sleep and and when they're immobile, right? So they sleep a lot and they aren't moving a whole lot. And so you can set them down and work out. You can put them in a bouncer and work out. You can, when they're napping, read. You can, there's just, there's a lot more me time in the in that first year and it for me was really when the awake the wake windows got longer and the you know the mobility got greater and then of course you have the independence that starts to grow which is kind of that you know 2 to 3 year well probably beyond but that that beginning part of pushing the boundaries pushing the limits and having to start set boundaries and limits and and help guide them and teach them the rules of the world and that is where you know all of a sudden i had to shift what my my mindset was because early on what was causing the FOMO was he was only awake for an hour <laughs> or he was only awake for, you know, yeah, an hour and a half. And I didn't want to miss it because then he'd sleep again for another hour or two and then he'd be awake for an hour. But like the total sleep time was insane. And <laughs> so when he was awake, I didn't want to miss it. And that was, for me, early on, what was causing the mom guilt. Now, with that being said, as he, as the development has slowed a little bit, and as the awake time has increased greatly, the mobility, the, uh, and the nap time, the total sleep time, 
The mom guilt has become slowly for me less and less. And I don't know if this is something that you guys can relate to. I'd obviously love to hear from you on on your own mom guilt experience. But what I was talking with this client about is that folk that's a hard transition and it and it happens faster than we anticipate is we go from maybe this FOMO experience, if you can relate to that, of there wasn't a lot of awake time, there was a lot of downtime, you could still find time for me time and be present with your kid. And the and then all of a sudden the growth of awake time increases, like I was saying, and, and there's just this this transition that happens that we're not prepared for, where all of a sudden we the mom guilt is not being there for them, but our need for me time becomes greater because they're sleeping less and there's less downtime. And before you have kids, holy moly, there is so much downtime. I mean, I think about my first pregnancy. Granted, I was pregnant in COVID, but still. My first pregnancy compared to this pregnancy, I mean, COVID or not, if if I were working, I once I was done, I could sit on the couch and watch Netflix. I the the house stayed fairly clean all the time, so that didn't need to be done twice a day. Um, you know, there there were simple things where just there was so much me time and so much downtime, and then you add a kid, and again that first year there's a lot of downtime. And the mom guilt for me that was developing was something that I created with those wake windows. Like, oh my gosh, once he's awake, I don't want to miss it. I want to be there. I want to connect. I want to play with him. And I was a, I loved contact napping and I still do. And so, I mean, we bed share. I've shared this on the podcast and when it's the weekend, I cuddle and snuggle and nap with Grayson. I just, I love it. Love, love, love it. And so for me, in those early, in that first year, I also wanted to just hold him while he napped. I mean, for me, that was like medicine. It just, I just loved it. And he loved it. And so... That was also something I didn't want to miss. I, I was like, he's only going to be this small once. And eventually he's going to have friends and, and play with other people. And then he's going to go to school and I'm going to see less and less of him. And that's awesome. That's a natural development. So for me, the time is just so fleeting in these early years that I just want to soak it up. And so there was this mom guilt of that developed because, again, I wanted to be there. I want to be there. But as the downtime decreased, my me time disappeared. (laughs) 
And I was finding myself a bit depleted. And I'm still not great at it. I'm working on it. But I am letting go a bit more these days because he's awake so much. And his development, again, is not as... It's still fast, especially as language development. But it's not, you know, all of a sudden... Uh, your child is cooing or they have their first smile or they clap for the first time and they bring their hands together to pick up a toy or they do tummy time for the longest. You know, there's all these early, early milestones. Obviously, the big ones are crawling, sitting, standing up, those kind of physical ones, the first word, uh, etc. And so for me, I, I just... Those those were things I didn't expect before becoming a mom. I could not have predicted that I was going to have this mom guilt of FOMO. And it was really hard for me to reteach myself in the last six months to create more me time, to invite people to support and watch and ask for help and go do something for me. And what also is hard, as I'm sure some moms can relate, is if there's any pushback or anything about taking time for yourself and the house isn't clean or there's dirty dishes in the sink or there's laundry to be done or the toys are a mess and there's this there's this mom guilt of shoulds there are so many shoulds and what's really hard is doing it all right it is really hard but we cannot pour from an empty cup And I love that saying. I know it is used a lot, but we can't. There's nothing in it. There's nothing to pour from. And so I had to relearn. I I would say to my husband or uh, to my mother-in-law or when my parents are visiting, like, hey, can you watch Gray? I'm going to go get my nails done. And I go take time for myself. It's easier to get out of the house for sure. Uh, Sometimes I just want to read a book on the couch or, um, you know, I also have shared in the self-care. I love to take a nice hot shower with a shower steamer and just enjoy the aromatherapy and the the spa-like experience in my own home. So... I've, I've been coaching myself and one of the things that, you know what, I'm going to actually change this as I'm talking, eight tips, it's going to change to nine and I'm going to kick it off with this first tip and that is coping with mom guilt is like a muscle that you have to train and The more we train ourselves to, again, it's like doing squats or lunges or push-ups. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it and the stronger you're going to be. And that's how I 
view coping with mom guilt. Like the more I went to work, the easier it got. It's still hard. It is really hard when, you know, they're crying and the separation, they're having a tough day of separation anxiety. Um, or the morning didn't go how you wanted it to go, etc. But the the more you take time for yourself, the more you go to work or create space in your life to do other things that fill your cup, the easier it gets, the better you're going to get at coping. And so I like to think of it as a muscle. And that's just from my own experience that ripping the Band-Aid off was really hard. I'm so curious how it's going to be with the second one. Because again, I feel like I'm still going to have that FOMO feeling. So I will have to do an update on how mom guilt goes with the second uh, kid as a baby. But it is like a, like a muscle. And so the more I went to work, again, it started out with three days a week from nine to three. And then we, you know, again, as his sleep went down during the day and his awake time went up, then it became, we needed four days a week from nine to three. And then it was 8.30 to five now, four days a week. And then on Friday, uh, we kind of do a group take care of, take turns um, so that we can all do some work and get things done for ourselves, etc. And so my husband, myself, and my mother-in-law kind of do a, a Grayson time rotation, if you will. And so the, the muscle got stronger just based off of the hours of hiring childcare. It, it became... Um, yeah, it, I just worked at it and, and it became easier over time. Again, I do think that has a lot to do with development and independence and every kid is different and every mom is different. So, you know, I should have prefaced this entire episode with do not compare, do not compare, please, please, please. You have your own journey, your own story, your own experience, your own uh, kid, your own family, your own needs, your kids' needs, your husband needs. Everything looks different. So these these tips that I'm sharing are just take what resonates with you, apply what resonates with you, and adapt it to your own experience, your own current needs with mom guilt. Okay, so tip one out of our nine tips is strengthen the mom guilt coping muscle. And I wonder if this has been true for you. I'd love to hear if it got easier over time uh, or if just what what that growth, that development has been like for you. Tip two, quantity over quality. So 
I think a lot of us want to be present with our kids. We want our phones down, our devices down. We want to be in their world. We want to hear from them. We want to ask them about their day and and continue to explore who they are with them. And this is something that I, again, have worked at using as a coping mechanism. If my mind is wandering, if I am struggling to be present, I am realizing that I something is out of balance then for me in terms of time. And so, or I need to adjust a physical boundary with the distraction that is keeping me from being present. But at the end of the day, it's not, I think working moms, sometimes there's a feeling that I'm not with my kid all day, right? And I'm going to work. But at the end of the day, even research is showing this. It's quality over quantity. When you can put your the, the screens away, the devices away, the distractions, and you can be in your kid's world. You can play with them. Whatever that looks like for you, that quality time is what matters. And I think we get caught up, and I definitely did. I was like, I have to be there for it all. I have to be there for it all. And it's like, you don't have to be there 24 hours a day for secure attachment, for um, the experience of their development, and especially, again, as they get older. Grayson's two and a half. So, again, I only have my own experience, but it is getting easier and the more I focus on the quality over the quantity, the better our time is together as well. And it feels good. It feels really good to be able to be that kind of mom for him. So what does that look like for you? Figure out what feels good. What amount of time feels good? And and that is your gauge. Use your intuition, your mom tuition, because it's different for everyone. Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you an ambivert? Are you uh, stressed that day? Are you energized that day? What it? We aren't robots, so it's going to change from day to day as well. But I think setting an intention for quality over quantity can be a game changer in coping with mom guilt. Okay, tip three, perspective. This is huge because I think, and I think for us, everything, you know, everything in life is how we view things. And so if you are feeling there are shoulds or you are feeling like you need to be there for it all, like I felt, I think there is some perspective that gets lost in, again, socialization comes later, so it's not that, but I've read a few books on, one is Raising a Secure Child, and it's the Circle of Security book, if you haven't read it. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes because I'm blanking on the author right now, but it's all about 
providing a safe, secure environment for your kid to go out and explore, but it also, and, and to come back to you. And there's kind of, you can, if you pay attention to this, it happens really naturally. And, and I've, I've noticed it since I read the book a year ago, uh, maybe a little bit more. But the other thing that it talks about is there should be multiple caregivers in your kid's life to provide that secure attachment, that safety and security. You you don't need to be the only only one and you and you honestly shouldn't be because that is putting too much pressure on one person. And so creating a support network. And so for a lot of people, especially working moms, that is the childcare. So knowing and this was hard for me i had super mama bear feelings um early early on with grayson probably the first year like again i struggled to let other people watch him uh and it was not a comfortable feeling for me but if i'm honest with myself to see his relationship now develop with my with both grandma grandma grandmas and grandpas so with both sets of grandparents with our nanny Ava um obviously also because he's two and a half he's so curious with kids and so he's playing with other kids but again going back to that kind of secure attachment that those other caregivers I have realized how awesome it is to share that support and and create that support network. And so perspective is, to me, what that means is not having to be the only person or for your husband and you to not be the only people and knowing how awesome it is for your kids to develop relationships with other people. And again, I do think that this is harder in the early years. I'll let you know uh, how it develops with me as our kids get older. But in these early years, it's it's that perspective of, of, oh, I don't have to be the only person and how great it is that he or she, my kid, has other people that they can depend on. And that is truly beautiful. Okay, tip number four, awareness. Awareness in the sense of what are your needs? What are your child's needs? What are your family's needs? And paying attention to what that looks like because I I was just talking about this, but that's different for everyone, right? So that's why the comparison game is just silly, because we all have different core values, we all have different needs, wants, goals, dreams, and and so, but when we can be aware, when we can pay attention to what our needs are, what our child's needs, and what our family's needs are, we can develop the strategies to let go of the mom guilt. We can recognize that, okay, my kid needs alone time. He or she is overstimulated. Let's let's do something low key. Oh, funny. 
I need something low-key right now, too. I'm feeling overstimulated. Okay, let's have reading time for 15 minutes or quiet time for 30 minutes or depending on, again, what your kid's needs or developmental abilities are at that time. But what does that look like? And then the other thing that I think about with this is adjusting our our awareness to the needs. So knowing that we can't be an A plus in everything, that is going to exhaust you, burn you out, and ultimately whatever you're getting the A plus in is creating an area where you're just failing in other areas because there isn't enough time in the day. So if you're getting an A plus in XYZ, there are other areas of life that are getting an F. And of course, balance is a whole nother podcast topic I want to talk about someday, but balance is different for everyone. There are seasons of life. But what I mean is, is let's say you have five priorities uh, that you want to focus on. You want a uh, organized home or a clean home. You want to spend time with your kids, your husband, and you want to do well in work. Well, I like to think of things as B plus and balance with a plus. You are doing, or B is for best. You know, you are doing your best with And then the plus is a little extra effort. You're trying as hard as you can. But you need to figure out what are your needs? What are your kids' needs? What are your family needs? What are those priorities? And then do most of those things well enough. And then you're not an A plus in cleaning the house and then an F in spending time with your husband or something like that, right? Like you are filling your cup or filling the cups in all of these priority areas for yourself and for your family and your kid to an a level of being able 75 or well a b plus would be 87 percent, right so the cup is filled 80 percent of the way for these priorities and you can pour from it and so what it be aware Start paying attention to what those needs are and write them down as you become aware of them and figure out what those priorities are. And, you know, this is really about letting go of the shoulds, letting go of what you th- what you think that from the outside this should look like. Like the reason why I chose the word awareness for the tips is you got to really tap into your intuition here. You got to really be aware of what this looks like for you and your family unit because this is really different for every single person and every single family. Okay, tip number five, letting go. So kind of, you know, piggybacking off of that uh, B plus, A plus, but letting go of perfection. But what I mean by this is kind of that there's a mom guilt that comes up that I haven't discussed yet that of how we parent. 
And we all have a way that we are choosing to parent. And whatever that looks like for you, we need to let go of perfection because we aren't going to be a parent perfectly 100% of the time. Um, I'm currently reading the book No Drama Discipline by Dr. Daniel Siegel and Dr. Tina Payne Bryson. And again, I'll put this in the show notes if you want to read it too. They talk about how, you know, this this book, No Drama Discipline, is really about de-escalating our kids and helping them regulate and, and discipline really being, the word discipline really means to teach, not to punish or uh, consequences. It's it's about teaching kids. And so, but they talk about how there are short-term situations and long-term situations and, and what do we want that outcome to look like. It's, it's a really cool book if you're interested. But it's not easy to do it perfectly all the time. We have days where we're stressed. We have days where we just got in an argument with somebody. We have days where we're just feeling lethargic and we struggle to show up um, our be- as our best selves, whatever that looks like. And so letting go, they, they even talk about in this book how they don't themselves parent to their ideal parenting style perfectly all of the time. And so for all of us, whatever you have idolized as what perfect parenting looks like, or if you feel like you have these moments where you start judging yourself because you didn't parent how you wanted to parent in a certain moment, we can't be perfect. We're human. And so the best thing to do is more so acknowledge it to your kid, right? And say, oops, mommy, sorry, I I didn't mean to react that way. And and acknowledging that we aren't perfect and that we make mistakes. And that's helpful too, because otherwise, if we are always trying to be the perfect parent, it actually creates this tension, I feel like, at least in me, that we just kind of become up uptight. And, and even if it's not in our words, it's in our energy. Like we're just holding on to everything tightly. Like it has to go a certain way. And I have definitely, you know, I I like to read a lot of books and I'm learning how to educate myself on the most up-to-date research on parenting and, and on specific core values that are important to, to me um, resilience, uh, self-esteem, secure attachment, uh, things of that nature. And, but with that being said, I kind of get in my head sometimes if I don't, if I have a moment where I didn't create a logical consequence or I didn't, um, I didn't do it the way that I wanted to do it. And so letting go of, that perfect idolized parenting picture that we've created and and saying, okay, going back to, it's okay to be a B plus parent. That is awesome. That is actually great because you are showing your kid that you're human and it's okay to make mistakes and that nobody's perfect. 
Tip number six. So I talked about this in my own experience and my growth of of my mom guilt kind of story or journey so far, but allowing others to support you and your family. It's not easy. Trust, again, knowing that someone just trusts in so many different respects. But when you allow others in to support you and your family, you're creating a another caregiver for your child or children that can help support you and again when you see them light up when you see them happy when they're playing with other people it feels good it feels good to know that there are multiple people that love them in their life and when you allow others to support you and your family you also can redirect your energy into some of these other areas that fill your cup. And then you can think about how do you feel when you come back from doing that? And do you feel good? And that kind of can dissipate the mom guilt because you you can be more present. So allowing others to support you and your family. Tip number seven, be curious about your expectations. I love this one because where where are your expectations coming from? How did they get created? Is it a comparison game of what you see on social media or what you think other people's lives are like? Are you creating stories in your head about what things should be or should you should be doing? Are they coming from your own childhood experience? And so when you become curious about your expectations, I think you can then start to think about what realistic expectations look like for you and how can you set realistic expectations? What are your core values? What are your husband's core values? What are your family values? What are you trying to teach? What is developmentally appropriate for your kid or kids? What what is appropriate and for you know, cleanliness and organization in the home or what is appropriate for uh, vacation time with your family or what what are the expectations of doing something for yourself or your husband and, and have you discussed it? And, but become curious about your expectations and maybe this is something that you need to just think out loud about or journal about and figure out what is realistic for you at this time. And this is ever evolving, ever evolving. You you have, not only do you grow, do, do other people in your life grow, and obviously your kids develop and their needs change, but you might introduce another kid or two kids and your family, your immediate family unit might grow. And So the expectations are ever evolving. So if you can be consistently curious about your expectations and let them evolve with you, I think this this can help you cope with your mom guilt. Again, I talked about my own expectations and, and my mom guilt early on, and I had to adjust because all of a sudden Grayson was awake more. And I was like, oh my gosh. Now I, there's no time for reading. There's no time for working out. There's, 
I need support. I need to ask for help. There's the house is a mess because there's less downtime, et cetera. And so it's it's like, oh my gosh, I need to adjust my expectations of what life looks like and what are my priorities right now. Okay, tip number eight, focus on what taking time for yourself does for you. How do you parent after you've filled your cup? Are you more present? Are you calmer? Do you feel good? Does your mind wander less? What is what is taking time for yourself do for you? And again, I just did an episode, uh, episode seven on self, self-care. But mom guilt often develops from, again, not always being there for our kids, thinking that we need to be the ones to do it all, thinking we need to always be making the lunches and the dinners and tucking them in at bedtime or playing with them, taking them on adventures and experiences and all of these things are obviously a big one for this podcast is going to work. So, but when you go to work and you come home and you have just used other parts of your brain, what does that do for you? How do you parent when you get home? Is it easy to then put the phone away and not be on social media? Uh, I was listening to a podcast recently and I forgot what which one it was. But anyway, the tip was to put your phone on airplane mode. And this guy puts his phone on airplane mode from 6 p.m. until the kids go to sleep. And obviously this doesn't work for everyone. So again, take it or leave it or or adjust it as needed for you. But I have been leaving my phone in the morning and at night as a physical boundary away from it so that I'm not distracted because I really don't like being distracted. And when it's on me and it's buzzing, it's like, it's not even always a curiosity. It's a habit of picking it up and seeing. And so that's why I do not like putting notifications on my watch because I do not like it buzzing and feeling this like need to to see what is popping up. I, I love being distraction free. And so I can do that because I take time for myself. And that that really gets rid of mom guilt because when I can be present with Grayson and I can fully give him my attention, the guilt goes away because I now have created this physical boundary where I'm not distracted and the energy is better. The presentness is better. The the memory making is better. The, uh, the whole experience is better. But that only happens because I had all this time to do other things during the workday that uh, fill my cup and use other parts of my brain. I love strategizing, ideating, coaching, helping, uh, supporting, being curious, learning. And the fact that I have time to do that during the day, I then get home from work and I'm like, 
what's up, bud? Put the phone away. I am all here and I'm stoked. And I think that is that is a game changer. Okay, my last tip, and that is listen to your children and your intuition. And this is this sounds so basic, but it's I think it's it's easier said than done. I don't think we do it enough, but like know what kind of kid you have. Pick up on their needs. Like, do you have a slow to warm kid? Do you have a really outgoing kid? Do you have a highly sensitive kid? What are their specific needs? What are they into? Grayson's into trash trucks, drains, sprinklers, uh, filling cups, dumping cups. That's what he likes. And I think honoring that gets rid of mom guilt too. Like I'm not trying to force or create. I'm, I expose him to all sorts of things, but um, it's, it's listening, paying attention to and trusting your intuition and, and figuring out like, okay, I have a kid that really prefers the familiar. And when there's something new, it takes him a while to warm up to it. And so I, I try to honor that. Uh, are they more social? Are they more independent? Do they meet, need more stimulation or less stimulation? What kind of choices work best for you and your family? I think this is, I'm pivoting to, there again, we've kind of talked about different types of mom, mom guilt. There's the context of going to work and leaving them for the day, which was the biggest kind that I felt. There's the context of doing it all. There's the context of reacting um, or not reacting how you wanted to uh, with your kids. There's all sorts of different types of mom guilt. But I think one is is this idea of when we want our kid to be a certain way and it and oftentimes we don't do it intentionally sometimes it's like you know they they talk a lot about not forcing your kids to go to give hugs or kisses anymore and allowing them to have their physical uh space and and put a boundary on uh, and have ownership on their bodies and it, it's so funny because you think about I we do handshakes, we give hugs, like there are different ways of greeting people. But when kids are really young, um, honoring what that looks like for them. Maybe a lot of maybe your kid is super into high fives and that's awesome, or into hugging, or uh what you know, whatever that greeting looks like. But Getting to know your kid, and this doesn't have to be like a super intense thing, but it's again going back to that, just paying attention, being aware, and listening to your child, listening to your intuition, and this again could change day to day. And I think when we allow space for things to be different from day to day and to stay curious and open-minded and allow ourselves to be flexible, we, the mom guilt goes away because we feel in tuned to our kid. We feel connected. We feel that, um, that love, that happiness. And it's that there's nothing like that, right? So, okay, we could probably talk about mom guilt all day. And I definitely want to bring it up 
in future episodes with future guests. So if you know of anyone that you think would be a great person to bring on the podcast to discuss mom guilt, I'd love to have them on. Shoot me an email or DM. That would be so awesome. Because this is, this doesn't end. I don't think mom guilt. I think once you have a kid, that is a feeling that just develops naturally and it never goes away. So I think this is an ongoing discussion, especially developmentally. I think it looks different again based off of the age of your kids. So I today was speaking very much from my own experience of I have one kid, he's two and a half, I'm pregnant with a second. So that's going to bring a whole nother bag of tricks that I didn't discuss today because I haven't experienced it yet. I know that there is a whole nother aspect of mom guilt of, am I giving enough time to each kid if you have multiple kids and, and things of that nature. So we will save that for a future episode. But in terms of the working and, uh, you know, the mom guilt that comes with working, doing it all, and and the daily chores of life. I hope you found this helpful. I'd love to hear your opinion on mom guilt, how you uh, are dealing with it, coping with it, uh, what has been your experience, and let's talk about this. Uh, DM me on Instagram at the mom tuition, or shoot me an email, Katie at the mom tuition.com. I will put uh all the things that we talked about in the show notes. And I'd love to hear from you. Again, just a quick um, teaser, but I will be sharing something that is uh, that I will be releasing soon, uh, next week on episode 10. So tune in to episode 10. I'm so excited to share what's coming with you guys. And thanks again for listening to The Mom Tuition. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great day.